What I have prepped for us today is part two of two weeks ago. If you were here two weeks ago, I'm going to start by reminding you a little bit about the weapons of our warfare. If you weren't here, you can go on SoundCloud or iTunes podcasts and and listen to that, or you can go to our church Facebook page, but I want to remind us a little bit and give us a little context before we move forward. On Saturday night when I went to bed, I was praying in the dark, talking to the Lord, and I saw a tiny little boat, maybe six, eight feet long, just a dinghy-type rowboat on a very stormy ocean, extremely stormy, enormous waves, 50-foot, 100-foot waves, this tiny boat going up and down. And the man in the boat, there was one man in the boat, and he had no oars, no motor. He was just going up and down wherever the wind and the waves took him totally at the mercy of the storm. And the Lord told me to tell you that if you are in Christ and he is in you, that's not you. That we're not to see ourselves as a victim of circumstance, a victim of life at the mercy of the storms of the world and our relationships and our families. And and there are several scriptures in the New Testament about us being overcomers in Christ. Romans 8.37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And in Revelation 3.21, Jesus said to him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. In Philippians 4, Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know how to be in need and I know what is plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So the Lord told me to tell you that you are not a victim. You're not to have a victim mindset, that you have power in you to steer through the storms, to motor through them, I guess, for lack of a better word, that that we're not to see ourselves as a a victim of circumstance. And if you're not in Christ, then you are. You are at the mercy of the storms of the world and relationships and circumstances and finances and health and lawsuits and government and work and all the stuff. And people in the world, they're just literally just physically surviving from tragedy to tragedy as they live through their existence. But for those who are in Christ, that's not to be our mindset. It's not to be our expectation. We're not victims. We're not we're just writing circumstances. The next picture he showed me two weeks ago, Saturday night, as I was praying, was a soldier in uh, a city street in sort of a desert environment, and there's a shooting going on. There's a war in the street, and, and he's a soldier in desert fatigues like our soldiers wear, and he's in a sandbag bunker surrounded by a semicircle of sandbags. If you've maybe lived this reality, if you fought in Afghanistan or Iraq, or uh, you maybe you've seen enough movies or news broadcasts, you know what to picture. And inside of this sandbag bunker is an enormous machine gun on a tripod, and the soldier is lying on his side on the ground under the machine gun crying, begging for Jesus to save him. 
He's got an enormous gun and he has a pile of grenades at hand, but he's on the ground crying because there's shooting going on in the street. He's scared to stick his head up and join the fight. And God told me, this is too many of my people. That I've outfitted you with weapons to fight the battle, but too many of my people are scared to fight. They don't want to take the risk. They don't want to enter the battle. Or they don't know that they have the weapons available. And so we went over that two weeks ago. Um, There are many, many scriptures in the New Testament that compare our Christian life to a war or a battle. It is one of the most common scriptural, spiritual pictures is us as a soldier and our life as a battle. And I was going to go into a whole bunch of those, but I guess because of time I won't. But I've got, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15 of them here where the New Testament tells us to fight the good fight and to fight the fight of faith and that we're a soldier. And two times Paul calls the men who traveled with him on his mission trips, my fellow soldiers. He tells Timothy to wage the good warfare. Jesus said that when the centurion came to him, that when the centurion talks about Jesus as an army commander, Jesus says, I've never seen such great faith. So this picture of us as a soldier is thoroughly biblical. And then I see this picture of a soldier who's lying on his side crying for Jesus to save him. And Jesus tells me, this is too many of my people. If an American soldier did that in a real war scenario, if he dropped out of the battle and laid on the ground and refused to fight, at best he would be thoroughly disgraced. At worst he might be court-martialed. But that happens in Jesus' army very often. But we're remembering our war for independence this week. And 200 and some years ago, 200 and almost 250 years ago now, 19-year-old Nathan Hale was hanged by the British as a traitor for fighting for General Washington. And a 19 years old with a rope around his neck, about to be executed, he said, I only regret that I have one life to give for my country. But then Jesus has so many soldiers who don't want to give up their one life for his country. I was talking this Christmas with Will. The power was out and the two of us were home alone. And so we had a long talk in the dark till like 1 a.m. or something. And, and I don't know how we got into the various subjects that we did. But, but one of the things we talked about was coming world events, the persecutions of, of Christians and the church around the world and, what's, and that that's coming to America. And, and he confessed that that scares him. And I said, Will, I know you and I know that you would think it was an honorable and courageous thing to fight in the American military and fight and die for America. But then so many Christians are so cowardly about fighting and dying for Jesus. And, And he said, I've never thought of it that way. He said, that, that rocks my world. So as I move forward here, I'm addressing the picture of the soldier who's afraid to enter the battle, the soldier who's lying on his side behind the sandbags and, and has these enormous weapons but is too scared to fight. Two Sundays ago, I gave you these two scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10, 
For though we live in the world, we do not wage wars of the world, and the weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul says, very famous passage that is one of the passages that compares our ministry, our spiritual life, to a war. Paul says, we have been outfitted with weapons, plural, to fight. But they aren't the weapons of this world. And two weeks ago, I went into a whole list of those. And you're welcome to go listen to that as you wish. We're not going back to that today. But the next passage in Ephesians 6 says, We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not fighting a battle in this world. We're not fighting in a worldly military, most of us. I know some of you have, but what I'm talking about this morning and the purpose of us meeting this morning is that we're fighting a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons given to us by Jesus. This church was prophesied in 1975, one year into its existence. The first prophecy we have a record of 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 this church is that we are a citadel and an armory, and a citadel is a fortress, a fort where it's to be a safe place for people to come from protection. And an armory is where they would store the weapons and pass them out to the soldiers to fight the battle. And so one of the core identities of this church, part of what I do is outfitting you with the weapons to fight the battles that the Lord brings to you. And, and we all know we're in a battle. And it, you're in it personally and we're in it socially. Um, But I've told you before, from years ago, I had a vision of myself and Jesus walking through a city street, something like from the ancient world, a stone wall was on our right as we're walking down the street. We're inside of a, of a a walled Middle Eastern Bible times city. And he and I are walking through and there's a few soldiers up on the top of the wall. And Jesus took me up there and he showed me off in the distance, there's this dark, enemy approaching the city but when we wandered through the streets nearly everyone was passed out drunk some were sleeping most were passed out drunk and this is the church that I'm seeing this is the city of God and Jesus is walking me down the street and and the streets are just full of bodies and I am very concerned at what I'm seeing Uh, Jesus, these are your soldiers. This is the people who are going to defend this city. This is the people who are going to fight this battle. And they were mostly completely unaware that there was a battle coming. They were having a really good time, having a party. Jesus was actually super gracious. He's like, well, they ought to be watching because it's one of my main commands is watch and pray. But When the time comes, most of these people will actually stand up and fight. But most were tuned out as to what was going on outside of their own walls of safety. So I'm connecting that to the soldier who's afraid as we move forward. Ronald Reagan said that freedom is always one generation away from extinction. And that's true in America, and it's true in the church, and it's true in your family. Your kids, your grandkids cannot inherit faith. 
the next generation of Americans cannot inherit freedom. They have to fight for it. And the church cannot inherit revival. We have to pray into it, work into it, stir it up, move forward into it. It's literally just one generation at a time. It's totally true. So I'm not here to discourage anyone or to scare anyone or to blame anyone. I'm here to encourage you. It's time to stand up and fight. It's time to stop being the soldier that's afraid and, and stick your head up and fight your battle. The battle's there anyway. The battle is there anyway, and we all know it in your family or your workplace or in the spirit or in the church. Um, the battle is there. It's time to stand up and fight. So I want you to imagine yourself in a battle. And I have some samples for you to choose from. All right, so maybe you want to imagine yourself fighting with General Washington. Here you are in the, the Revolutionary Army fighting the Redcoats for American independence. You got your musket and your bayonet and your little triangle hat. All right, or maybe you want to imagine yourself, next picture, as a knight in an army of knights on a castle wall and there's catapults and you know, arrows and flaming torches and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe you would like to wear a blue coat and um, fight in the Rebs in the Civil War. Or maybe you would like to fly with Maverick. <laughs> and you are a fighter jet pilot in a dogfight uh, with whoever there at the Top Gun. Or maybe you want to picture yourself in the trenches of World War I. I don't think anybody wants to picture that one. That one was hell. Guys storming the beaches of Normandy on D-Day in World War II. Uh, or maybe you would like to be, imagine yourself uh, doing some close quarters battle with SEAL Team 6 in Afghanistan or something like that. And if you are super nerdy and thus super cool, maybe you would like to imagine yourself at Helm's Deep <laughs> fighting orcs with Gimli and Aragon, and so you're, you're there. Um, the next picture is you know, the army of elves that come with their bows. And, or also, there's a different kind of nerd. Maybe you would like to picture yourself in an X-Wing squadron <laughs> fighting with Luke Skywalker, all right? All right, uh, against the TIE fighters. Okay, so however you want to imagine your battle, you're in it. Got it? Notice that all of these pictures are a group of soldiers either standing in line, looking down their muzzle at the, the uh, line on the other side, or it's a group of planes, or, or uh, it's, it's, a, it's a group. But every individual man must fight his own battle. If I'm standing on the castle wall and the orc is climbing the ladder to me right here, I have to fight this guy. I cannot worry about the 10,000 off to my right and left. I have to trust my fellow soldiers. They will take care of the enemy in front of them. I cannot fight the whole war, and neither can I fight no war. I have to fight the one in front of me right now. My life depends on it. Everyone else's life depends on it. And my life depends on them. That's what an army is, is 
Everyone fighting together, but everyone fights their own battle. Hello? You are in an army that's called the church, but you are an individual soldier in that group, and we need you to stand up. We need you to engage in the battle. We need the cover. We need the hole plugged. We need to not have the wall breached that you're defending. And wherever you are in your circumstances, in your life, in your family, in your finances, your work, your spiritual life, wherever you are, only you can be there. Only you can fight that demon. There isn't any reinforcement coming. Now the amens quit. Y'all were really tracking with me, smiling and nodding. There isn't any reinforcement coming. We're it. The church of Jesus Christ wins this thing or we don't. And we know there is no or we don't. But there's not reinforcement coming. No one else can fight your battle. No one else can save you. I'm serious. No one can crawl inside your heart in the middle of the night and defeat fear for you. And you can be the soldier that lies on his side in the sandbag bumper and bunker and begs for somebody to come and save me from this thing. It can't happen. You have to fight. You have to stand up and get on that trigger and blast that demon. You have to fight the orc that's coming up the ladder at you because this guy can't help you. He's got his own to deal with. And this guy's got his own to deal with. And we're all in it together, but everybody must fight their own battle. You have to, and really you can only, fight the enemy that's right in front of you. In the Civil War, in the Revolutionary War, they're all lined up and everybody's shooting, but but there's just there's one soldier on the other side. You're aiming at him and he's aiming at you. And and thank God we're not I'm not talking about those real battles. I'm not talking about killing people. I'm talking about fighting spiritual battles with spiritual weapons, not of this world. And I think you're all clear on that, but it's being recorded, so I better say that. But you you have an individual battle to fight inside of the mass war that we're all in. Failure is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Surrender is death. Surrender is literally hell. And everybody else is fighting their own enemy. You can't wait for relief or reinforcements. You can't wait for somebody else to swoop in and fight their own enemy plus yours. There isn't anybody that can do that. So you fight your own battle in the midst of the war. Our weapons are not of this world, but, but passivity is getting us killed, folks. Fear is getting us killed. It's defeating the church. We're not to assume we're at the mercy of circumstances and we're not to be afraid. So I'm here this morning to encourage you to quit crying and get up and, and use your weapons. And I know that Everybody here, if you've walked for Jesus more than a year or two, you've been shot at. You may even have been wounded. 
and you may even have been defeated in your battle in the past. None of those are excuses. What if an American soldier, his, his officer says, man this weapon in this bunker and shoot at the enemy when they come down the street? What if he says, well, I tried that last time and they shot at me? I don't want to do that because they shot at me last time I did that. But how many Christians say that to Jesus? What if the soldier said, you guys keep going in the battle, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk home. I mean, the real hero stories is the guys that take a lot, of, a lot of damage and they just keep going. What if the officer says, I want you to sit here in this bunker and man this machine gun and shoot at the enemy when they come and the guy says, well, we tried this yesterday and we, and we didn't win. So why, why try again? But Jesus gets that excuse all the time. Well, Jesus, I tried that faith thing. I tried that prayer thing. I tried believing those prophecies 20 years ago. I prayed for the miracle and it didn't happen. Every soldier gets defeated. It's okay. It's just battle. And what if the soldier says, well, what? Oh, I might die. I don't want to do that. I mean, you'd go straight to jail. But then you expect Jesus to be patient with you. Well, Jesus, I was afraid to share the gospel. Jesus, I was afraid to pray for my coworker. Jesus, I, I was afraid. I might lose my reputation. Somebody might think I'm stupid. What if I lose my job? And we expect Jesus to be totally okay with that. In 500 BC, Sun Tzu, Chinese author, wrote a book called The Art of War. And he said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself... You need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So uh, I'm here this morning to encourage you to know your enemy and to know yourself and to know your weapons. First of all, know that the enemy is not people. The enemy is not people. It is very hard to understand. It is very hard to feel like your ex is not your enemy. Or that your son or daughter's ex is not the enemy. Or that your stepdad or your mother-in-law or whoever, they're not the enemy. They are the captives we're going in to rescue. Yes? The enemies are demons and lies, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians. The strongholds of hell. And you have to know yourself. What is your current battle right now? I promise you that whatever you think the battle is, self is actually the battle. Self is always the actual battle. The Pharisees tried to control other people. They tried to correct other people. They tried to boss other people. They tried to condemn other people and judge other people. And that's what so many religious Americans do. They watch the news and get angry and condemn those evil sinners. We got to control them. We've got to stop them from what they're doing. Self is the battle. Me, I am the battle. I'm fighting for surrender. I'm fighting for trust, for faith, for worship, for obedience, for love, for forgiveness. What's actually going on in my head and my heart and my attitude is the real battle, actually. It's not 
my spouse or my kids or that annoying coworker or whatever. And you got to know your weapons. Is it intercession? Are you to volunteer? Are you to pray for healings? Are, are you a shower of mercy, an evangelist? Is generosity your weapon? What are your strengths and weaknesses? I guarantee you it's not politics and it's not anything online. It's not politics. It might be government, but it isn't politics. It isn't anything online. It isn't fear or anger or condemnation. There are so many battles. There are so many enemies. It's overwhelming. I've just gotten to where I can't even listen to the news anymore. It's just so huge. It's so overwhelming, and it's scary, and it's infuriating. I've just had to quit. And I'm here with the word of the Lord this morning for you is that you need to know your battle. You need to know what battle are you to fight. You can't fight all the battles. You're not supposed to fight somebody else's battle, and you can't fight everyone's battle. But you can't fight none. You can't check out out of fear or passivity or it's all overwhelming and I can't do anything about it. Well, you probably can't do anything about the invasion at the southern border. And you probably can't do anything about fentanyl trafficking but you can do something about your neighbor that's addicted to drugs. The battle is never an issue. It is a person. It's a group of kids in school. It's the 70 or 80 kids we serve in Sunday morning and in youth groups that are on their way. They're on the highway to hell if somebody doesn't win them to Jesus and equip them with truth and faith. What are you doing to fight that battle? You can complain about the issues and the politics and the, and the news stuff. You can watch the grotesque sexual perversions that are overtaking our nation and get really, really distressed and upset and angry and judgmental. Or you can talk to the classmate that has bought into those lies and love her and win her or him. We can't fight all the battles, and we can't fight none. We have to fight the enemy that's right in front of us. What is that? What's the stronghold of Satan in front of you? What truth of Jesus burns in your heart? And the, the way you will know is this Jesus, is it will feed your love and your tears, not your anger and your fear. If, you're, if, you're, if your fear and your anger is getting fed, that's not Jesus. That's Fox News. I'm not picking on Fox News. I watch too. Sometimes. Not very often. Anyway, talk radio, whatever. It's, that's feeding fear and anger. That's not Jesus. But when it's Jesus, it will fear, feed your love and your tears and your prayer and your desire to save a person from hell. Get up and fight your battle. Amen.